Good evening. Welcome to the Stop Child Abuse Now show. And this is scan number, let's see, what have we got here? No, I'm not on the right page. Anyway, this is the Stop Child Abuse Now show, and and, uh, this is scan number 3201, I believe, or it could be 3202. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm not really supposed to be running. Is it two? I don't know. Yeah, it's zero two. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, I have the mission statement, so I'll just run it, that's all. Okay, it says here, we have a singleness of purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so from two different reasons and and perspectives. Okay, two different perspectives. Number one is educating the public, especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. And it just simply does, right? The kids going down the street, breaking into the cars, and all the other stuff that you see, um, which I'll speak about in a second, that's one way. All right, number two is offering hope for healing through numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Prevention, intervention, is a that could be a show in itself, okay, by mentioning all three of them and how you work with prevention, intervention, and recovery. Okay, now, now that that's out of the way, I'm here tonight. I'm not actually the host tonight, but that's okay because we have a very good topic here that uh, I found, and it's from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Now, what I'm going to read here really quick, this shows you how it affects the children, but then we can get into the adults, and, and that's relationships and how often we, the children, okay, we, the children, Um, who have seen so much domestic violence, um, tend to gravitate towards um, those who are like our father or like our mother, 
<laughs> we just do that. I certainly did it. I did it twice. What a nut. All right, so anyway, let me read this, and uh, then I'll get into the uh, the adult. All right, family and domestic violence is a common problem in the United States. Now, I'm just speaking about the United States right now. Approximately 10 million people, approximately every, yeah, every year, one in four women and one in nine men and victims are, are victims of domestic violence. Now, this is for the adults, and that's April 9th, 2023, so that's a very current figure, okay? Ten million people, all right? And that's one in four women and, and one in nine men are victims of domestic violence. Okay, number two, every year 10 to 20% of the children are exposed to intimate partner violence annually. That's every year, 10 to 20%. Those children in the United States are more apt to develop psychological problems, okay, and they can be short-term or long-term. Those children are six times more likely, this one blew me away, those children are six times more likely to commit suicide and 50% more likely to use alcohol and other drugs. And then this one, if you grow up with domestic violence, you are 74% more likely to commit violent crimes against someone, 74% more likely. So this information came from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. You can look that up yourself, and you'll see what I just read. So what we can talk about tonight, and we can go back and forth on this, and <laughs> I know that the relationships that I was in were always abusive and um you know, I, I went through an awful lot of stuff. We all did. Those of us who have picked wrong partners, okay, we go through hell. I'm going to say hell because that's what it is. And we don't see the red flags. Maybe, just maybe, if we knew the red flags, maybe it would keep us, you know, from going into those type of relationships. Just maybe. All right, one of the things that the partner who is the abusive partner is he's terribly jealous. I'm a woman, so it's going to be he's terribly jealous. He's an abuser, will always say that jealousy is a sign of love. No, it's not. It's a sign of abuse. Jealousy has nothing to do with love. It's a sign of possessiveness and lack of trust. In a healthy relationship, the partner... The partners trust each other unless one of them has legitimately done something to break that trust. Neither of you two, can you uh, say anything about that? Have you been in relationships like that with jealousy? Yeah, but uh, um, we never never read the bio, um, so I'm going to read the bio. Um, Tonight's special topic will be self-care. An open mic discussion will be led by Adriana Soto from Modesto, California, the survivor of severe child abuse, rape, and stalking. Amy Anna is a certified somatic mindful guided imagery practitioner with an office in Modesto, California. Her own healing journey gives her unique insight into helping uh-huh. others through the process of SMGI. She loves hold being on, able hold to bring them Victoria, Victoria, wait a what? second. I see. Now, she, at the very last minute, Bill got a guest. I didn't know that. Yeah, 
Yeah, and so I'm trying to read it. So that's why. <laughs> oh, well, no one told me that. I didn't well, have to prepare to all of this. This is uh, this isn't. No, I I'm didn't. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. you know what? You know what? Let Welcome me... aboard, Amy, and go ahead read that. Read the bio. Okay. That's funny. Go ahead. So she loves being able to bring relief to her clients, whether it be from stress, physical pain, emotional pain, or oppressed trauma. She is delighted when clients realize that they have the power and ability to connect with their inner wisdom in order to heal themselves. Amy Anna has 10 years' experience working for organizations, organizations, sorry, um, advocating mental health and trauma healing. In 2014, she became a community voice through public speaking on these matters. Anna learned through organizing, writing, and arts and crafts groups. Trauma survivors can receive a type of healing not available through therapy or words alone. As a former certified nursing assistant, Anna learned how strong the human spirit can be and the importance of kindness and compassion in one's most dire moments. Amy Anna is an artist and poet who has shown her work in Minneapolis, Seattle, San Francisco, and Modesto. She's currently working on more. On these episodes, we welcome various hosts, survivor professionals who will assist in fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call and participants. Their trauma-informed perspective as survivor professionals will help them guide discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that spring from questions and topics brought to you, um, brought to us, I'm sorry, by our listeners. Everyone's invited to engage in tonight's show, and I would like to read the call-in number. One is 425-292-4444. I also would like to um, let people know that um, um, all these are archived shows, and since we're on 3202 after this show, we'll have... Um, 3,202 archived shows that you could listen to. So uh, we've got uh, uh, Amy Anna on, and I do appreciate, Carol, that you prepared. And like I said, this was a last-minute thing. got Amy Anna to come on, and I sure appreciate you coming on, Amy Anna. I, I have to correct one little thing that you just said, okay? It's very simple. Oh, sure. phone, the phone number you read is for the hosts to call in. Which, of course, oh, sorry. we want people to do. Call that okay. <laughs> No, don't do that. Call the guest number, though. It's it's uh, 323 595 No, it's 646-595-2118. Don't call anything. Listen to the last one. <laughs> All right. So the, it was the last one she just read, 646. Okay. I just wanted to make yeah. sure people weren't calling in on the host line. By the way, I want you guys to play nice now, okay? I've been here since the beginning. I heard it all. And, well, uh, Bill, you, you didn't know, tell me where to guess. We didn't Let's go forward. We are adults, and this, this, listen to me, what I started out with is great for another show. That's no problem whatsoever. So let's have our guest on, okay? That'd be great. Anna. Hi. Hi. I'm looking forward to hearing you tell us about certified somatic mindful guided 
imagery because I know nothing about that. Okay. Well, we call it SMGI for short because saying somatic mindful guided imagery every time is a little bit long. And it's a special kind of medita it's a special kind of um, it combines somatic meditation, guided meditation, and mindful meditation along with light hypnotherapy into what is an experience called a, a journey that is guided. It's like a guided imagery journey, except it's a little bit more than that. You do a little bit more. It's not... You don't just sit there and do nothing. There's a lot of healing work that takes place in this type of work. And really, um, what I do is I guide people to access their inner wisdom or the subconscious to access their strengths and to be able to heal and how they do it or whatever they intend to do. Because sometimes um, it's not all about healing. It could be I want to remove blockages that are keeping me from moving forward. You know, it could be about anything. And that's what I love about this type of work is that it's, it's tailored to, to be unique to the person and what they want to accomplish. And it's not like a set program where you're going to do step one, step two, step three, and we're all going to go to the ocean and imagine the waves. And it's nothing um, nothing suggestive. You're in control. The person is in control. It's all invitational. And if they don't want to go there, they don't have to go there. And it's whatever they want to bring up and work with. And so it's a really beautiful modality that I found when I was looking for a way to heal my nightmares and PTSD. And that's how I was introduced to it, and it helped. And over the course of years, I decided to become a practitioner in it and help other people overcome what they're struggling about. That sounds interesting. And I know uh, we were talking about, um, that's like kind of how we were talking about when we came up with the idea of self-care. Um, because, well, for me, when uh, I've spoken with you, um, that's my big thing. I, I feel real blocked in that, you know, that, that how do I take care of myself when it was taught not to? <laughs> was told not to and was guilt and shamed and blamed and going to hell if I did. <laughs> All the above and more. <laughs> yes, and that's why I thought we can combine the two topics, but I'm not sure what happened with that because we often pick up right where the abusers left off. If we were mm -hmm. battered and beat down and abused and we get out of that situation, but with the PTSD and the studies show that sometimes 
our mind picks up where the abusers kind of left off, and we do the same. We treat ourselves the same way as we were always treated, for whatever reason. And so tonight, I thought we'd talk about just what kind of relationship do you have with yourself? And how do you treat yourself? Not just how you talk to yourself or those inner voices that are those old recordings that go on and on of, of the old, um, of your parents' voice or whoever the abuser's voice is. Um, it's how do you talk to yourself? What, what do you, how do you talk to yourself when somebody gives you a compliment? Do you accept it? Or do you say, oh, they were just being nice and it wasn't really true? And so that goes into trusting yourself and believing in yourself and not just belief, not just belief that I can, I'm capable of doing something, but believing that you are a beautiful being and that what people are, are saying about what they see in you now compared to the past, do you believe that? And when you feel happy and you feel on top of the world, do you trust that? Do you trust that in yourself? And so those are some of the topics I wanted to cover today. Thank you, Amy Ann. Is it Amy Anna? Is that right? Amy Anna, yes. Mm-hmm. Amy Anna, that's lovely. Um, I can I can respond to some of those questions myself, and then we'll move on to some of the other people on the line. Um, I'll, I'll say that, you know, you said if we were abused, we find, I wrote down, we find new abuse when we get away from the old abuse. And I did that, and I did that in marriage. Um, how do I talk to myself today? Well, I still hear those voices saying, you're stupid, you're no good, that kind of thing. And I argue back with those voices, and I say, no, that's my mother talking, that's not true. Um, So the voices aren't gone, but I no longer believe them. And I do accept compliments now. I learned how to do that. It was very difficult because I felt like, oh, my God, I'm being proud if I Mm -hmm. accept a compliment. But now I know, no, no, I need to say, yeah, I earned that. I accept that. Um, so I and and do I trust my happiness? I I do. I am happy now. I'm I have a happy life and I'm a happy person, and I trust that happiness. And so let's let's let some other people on the line answer those questions or make a comment. We'll start with our vice president of NASCA, Carol. Yeah. Hi. 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 You know. Um. A lot of self-talk. This is what you're speaking about, which is something I learned years ago in school. But, um, yeah, years ago when I felt poorly about myself as a person, you know, I had if someone were to compliment me, hey, that's a pretty sweater, or you look good today, or whatever, I didn't know how to take compliments, right, because I had so much of the opposite feelings about myself. I didn't believe them. And uh, if it was a guy, I thought, <laughs> I thought, well, he's just trying to get funny with me. We'll put it that way. And uh, whereas today, I'm totally different. 
And that's like when you start your healing journey, you may be just like I was speaking about in the beginning there, but when you get through that healing journey, um, you know, people can down you. They can do whatever they want and uh, say whatever they want, uh, behave the way they want, and it means nothing to me. There's no way they can get now, you know, at my uh, emotional uh, state of mind because I accept myself and I love myself and I know I'm a good person. I'll be like the pussycats on TV and on the, <laughs> on the Internet. In other words, I've said my, my case. And that's how it is. You know, I, I think that, you know, it takes, it takes a long time. Um, it's not an overnight process. It's not an overnight process. It takes a lot of self-care. It does take um, a lot of belief in yourself, which I have today. Um, you know, a lot of, um, it's a, a long journey. It's a long journey. And, uh, and I, I'd say for the last five, ten years, I've, um, you know, learned to love myself. Because that's what we're talking about here, learning to love yourself. Right. So I've gotten there. Yeah, I got Thanks, you. Thanks, Carol. You're welcome. And let's ask Victoria if she has a comment or or a question. Oh, definitely. This has been a big thing since I first ended up in the psych ward at 21. I'm 61 now, and I'm still learning. <laughs> it's still growing. That's the thing. And I can tell when I'm when I'm off, either physically, mentally, or spiritually. It's like. Something's just not right. I just don't feel right. But I know I just wanted to touch on the one thing where you said about, you know, not trusting your happiness. It was like I would be happy, but I would be waiting for that other shoe to drop because I knew something bad was going to happen. So it was almost like I couldn't even enjoy the happiness because I was just kind of like immobile waiting for that other shoe to drop that something bad was going to happen. I just had no faith that my life was going to go good because, when I was a kid, that's what would happen. It'd go good for a little while, and bam, it'd be chaos again, you know. And I'd go, go for a little bit, and then bam, chaos again. And so that's, that's kind of, you know, I got into that that pattern of thinking. And so when I got into the psych ward and stuff, I would, you know, come up with these different beliefs I had, and they would say, well, why do you believe that? You know, and I really had to think about it. Where did that come from, you know? And... uh um, to realize that we can change our beliefs and our in our thought process and our thought patterns, you know. Um, what I did is write down a lot of the messages that I got in a notebook on the left side. Like, um, I'm unworthy, um, I'm stupid, um, I don't deserve whatever it was, just on and on. And I must have done 20 pages of this. And then on the left side, I went back, on the left side, I well, on the right side, I put the opposite of it. You know, not like um, you're unlovable. I didn't put, you know, you're the most fantastic person in the world. You know, I put you are lovable, you know, and, and put a line through the one on the left. And I kept doing this back and forth and back and forth. And anyway, after I got into about 30 pages, I was back at the very beginning and found out that a lot of those thoughts and ideas I had, kind of like what Annie was saying, um, to challenge them and say, wait a minute, where'd that come from? That came from my mom or that came from school or society, you know, or whatever. And I don't want to believe that way anymore. Like when I first moved in here, I, I can remember the water running and me just feeling really 
frantic, just freaked out, you know, and I'm going, what is wrong? And I realized my grandma used to scream at me every time the water ran just a little bit. I mean, we could just put a tiny bit of water on our toothbrush with the toothpaste, brush our mouth, and then a tiny bit to rinse out our mouth. And that was it. We were wasting water if we did anything more than that, you know. And and those old billies were coming back. And I know what, one day I just let the water run for a whole hour and kept saying, I'm a grown-up. <laughs> I pay for the water. I can let it run. <laughs> but I, I had to make a big deal out of it, you know, like uh, like Annie was saying about, you know, saying, no, that's not true, you know, or it's not true anymore for me. So that, that was the part I wanted to comment on. Thanks. Thank you, Victoria. Yeah. And we have another caller on the line, uh, Lori. Victoria, did she want to participate? Um, I didn't check her. I didn't uh, ask ask her if she did or not, but you couldn't. Lori, would you like to, uh, I'll turn your mic on, and then we'll ask you. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> that, that's funny. Oh, <laughs> we'll ask you a question with the mic on. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the answer is yes. Do you have a comment for the conversation we're having? Yeah, yeah I think it's an interesting one myself. <laughs> I'm having a good time with this. Um, yeah, I wanna, I've got a comment on it because I live in a totally different world um, than the average, you know, in the category, domestic violence um, category actually is what it is. I live with um, a sociopath that he does it quietly, you know, different things, but it equals, if it equaled the violence, I'd be broken, black and blue and all that. But how I feel about myself now, this age still living in this place, is I feel good about myself because I learned that I was able to make it all these years with this trail of stuff. I started with the trail of stuff. I'm living with, and you know it's going to follow me and go past when I'm, I'm, you know where I'm supposed to be, wherever that is. I know I made it through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, if people, because I'm in the new place now, and they're all checking me out and getting used to me. Some are actually competing on this mounting for ridiculous things like the best garden and whatnot. But yet I just bring myself to the table type thing, and I'm unaware of what's been going on here. But no matter what anybody thinks about me, um, I have to know that I think about it's about what I think about me, and I'm there. It's okay, honey. It's okay. Come here. Yeah, right. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Amy Ann, would you like to respond? Yes, it seems like we're all in pretty good yeah. places. And I was wondering if maybe we can provide our listeners who maybe aren't where we are yet with some tips on how we got here, how we got to this place of how do we get to trust ourselves and how do we get to have that good relationship with ourselves? And what were some of the steps that we took? For me, it was I did... I did a lot of reading. I read every book on trauma, abuse, and I even read domestic violence books because it just kind of progressed into that. 
even though domestic violence isn't in my history, it was in my family of origins history. So um, I was still affected by it as a child of domestic violence. So I could relate to some of it not being right in the domestic violence relationship, but being around that chaos. And so um, this doesn't work for everybody, but what I did, kind of what I did was research the topic. This was before I got into therapy and stuff. I was on my own. And it's like, okay, this topic came up. I did what I was a good student in school, so I did what I knew. I'm going to research it and study it. So I checked out books in the library. I read it. Uh, I read them and started changing my way and started journaling because that's what the book said. But there was one thing that they didn't mention was that sometimes journaling is one-sided. And I'd write, I'm bad because blah, blah, blah. And then I'd go back and read it, and it would reinforce that because it didn't have that third-person perspective to say, no, you're not bad. The situation you were in, where you came from, the people who did that to you were bad. But you aren't bad for having gone through that experience. And so once I – and support groups where I had that third-person perspective, um, it really helped – it took a long time. I was probably been healing for, oh, I'd say 15 years. About 15 years before things started to really change. But I was at a very low, low place. I wasn't supported or taught much of anything Ooh, in the way of nice. relationships. And so I had to start back at square one of learning how to – I didn't know how to hold a conversation, and I barely knew how to – I knew how to talk and say words, but I didn't know how to interact with people. And through online groups like the old AOL groups and the MSN groups that were online for a little bit, they um, – I learned how to interact with people through words, which was I was comfortable with because that was kind of my language. And because I, talking wasn't, I didn't talk. I was a selective mute in high school. I, I didn't talk, and if anybody asked me a question, I answered in as few words as possible and got out of there. And um, so it takes a long time. It takes a lot of small steps. I I had to go to the store and purposely look for people and ask them, like, where's, where's, what aisle is the coffee on? And, like, it's like you can look for the aisle with the coffee on, but just to have that interaction with people and stuff and see that there's good people in the world. And then sometimes it came up to a conversation and compliments and and things, and then it worked up to, um, you know, having those relationships better. And now I'm learning, you know, what I'm just learning a whole new way of self care in the way of not just 
okay, keeping the body safe and relaxed, it's this relationship with myself. What kind of relationship? If I, if my other, if myself was a person, how do I treat myself? You know, what kind of relationship do I want with myself? And I'm rambling on now, but if you guys could give some tips on how we got to this place and how, you know, where we were and how we got to be able to trust ourselves and believe in ourselves, that would be great. Thank you. Awesome. Carol, would you like to respond to that? Some some steps you took to get here? It's a little different. Okay. Can you hear me? I was muted for a second there. I can I hear you, can you hear now. Me. Okay, yeah. I was having trouble with my cat. My cat talks. She went, <laughs> real loud, and you muted her. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you. She scared the hell out of me. Um, anyway, um, I had to go to... Stop that. What's the matter with you? See what I'm saying? Oh, my God. She gets jealous when I'm on the phone. i got to go in the other room. <laughs> she, um, but with myself, I had to go through all different types of learning um, processes, and that was through alcohol, drugs abuse, um, you know, running away from home, which I had every reason to do so because of a incest type of situation. And, um, of course, I hated myself and, and put myself in harm's way and then uh, tried to commit suicide at the age of 17 and got caught by a friend who was supposed to be out on a date. And so I had all these things that I had to work through before I could get to any fuzzy feelings about myself, okay? And um, I joined the church group, and they're the ones that helped me because they had psychiatrists and psychologists there, over 200 members. And uh, they got a hold of me, and they helped me realize that I was a person of worth. Um, They showed me how I was a person of worth. They gave me a battery of tests and said that I should be a counselor. They gave me a battery of tests and uh, showed that I was not crazy. Because, unfortunately, when we go through these um, situations in our lives, if we're with batterers or, or people in the family, I was with both, Um, we tend to gravitate towards what we know, and uh, that was bad treatment. So then we would pick spouses who would continue to give us these, you know, bad treatment type of uh, things that they would do. So I had to go through all of these things before I got to the fuzzy uh, feeling of self-care because I had to be always strong and tough just to survive. So I'm listening to what you're saying, and uh, I can uh, say that today I don't have fuzzy feelings about myself, but um, I will take time off at times for self-care. If that means even taking a couple days here and there from NASCA, I will do that because I will take a couple of days just to go and breathe somewhere, just to go and breathe somewhere. Because uh, life is not easy for any of us. And even though I'm quite healed today, there are times when I really want to just walk the other way and and maybe walk on the beach somewhere. Ooh, that sounds like a good idea, right time of the year. And, uh, you know, I mean, something, just something to uh, bring me to joy. 
because so often with the type of work we do uh, and the type of work that I do on the side that people don't even know about, um, the point is um, I need to take a couple days for self-care. All right, that's important. Do something nice for yourself. Um, if you can, I, I like clothes. I like jewelry, too. That's really bad, okay? <laughs> but uh, if I can afford to uh, buy a ring or whatever if I'm feeling down. Now, some might say that's a psychological thing and you're uh, rewarding yourself for feeling down, but it's also a satisfying thing as long as you can afford it. You don't put yourself in a bad situation. So I would do something nice for myself. Maybe I'd go see a friend, okay, uh, go have fun somewhere, okay, something like that. Um, and it's, it's needed. So what we learn as we go along in the healing journey is that we are people of worth. We do have a lot to offer. And with all the work that I've done, I've, uh, you know, when you help someone, it makes you feel stronger. And I always tell people when they call me in the a.m., if I think they're in that category, I'll say, instead of sitting and wallowing in your, um, in your pity for yourself, go help someone, whether it be in, in a soup kitchen or, or whatever it, it might, might be, because as you're helping people, you're getting stronger. It takes you away from that feeling of self-worthlessness because you did something that was very good. You helped someone. You fed someone. So that's how I actually healed myself, um, was to get into positions like that, where I was volunteering. I was a part of the Rawway Lifers program, Scared Straight. I worked with kids that actually had backgrounds like all of us, all right? And um, I fit in quite well, <laughs> right, because I could identify with all of them. And, and that was helpful to me, because then you get away from that feeling of being alone, okay? You're not alone. There are so many of us that have been abused. And then I would choose jobs that would send me to school, and that, that put the icing on the cake. So you learn to do good things for yourself that get you to the position of being able to be effective and to help people and um, to be then finally maybe even you know, someone that people say, I go places today, I don't know who they are. The people say, hi, Carol, hi, Carol. I don't know, they're listening to the show, Bill. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, whatever it is, you know, uh, whatever it takes to make you feel better, yeah, we all need self-care. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Carol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to click on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to mm-hmm. click on it, too. I uh, created a meditation area in my yard, Um a little over two years ago, well, um, yeah, a little about a year and a half ago, for two years prior to that, I was suicidal. I was back in, I was living in assisted living facility, and um, my life was being controlled again. And I got back into feeling helpless, feeling like I couldn't do anything about it. I had no way to get out of there. I was pretty much stuck there, you know. And I started getting feeling really bad about myself. So I just want to let people know that just thing is is going well and stuff you never know if you'll be back in a situation and i do not believe that we pick abusers i believe abusers pick us they know that we're vulnerable or we might say i will i just got away from an abusive husband or i had an abuser that was in my life and 
they prey on us. I mean, that's, they're, they're good at it. They're narcissists. That's, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And so they prey on victims. And they could spot a victim from all the way. Like they say, I got victim across my forehead. That's how I used to feel. And really, I did because I didn't take care of myself. I didn't stand up for myself. And, and they realized that just in a couple of dates, you know, or a couple of uh, meetings, you know. And, and then they do the love bombing, you know, where they just, you know, give you all this love. And, uh, you know, it, it can really mess with your head. Um, I think we need to stop blaming ourselves and other people for our victimization just as we had to stop blaming children. Um, but the other thing I want to say is that, you know, people ask me if I'm healed or when did you get healed? And I said, I don't feel like I'm healed. I'm going to be on this healing journey till my last breath. And I plan on living to be 100. So that's 39 years, more years. You know, I mean, that, that is just how I feel about it. But I need this meditation area in my yard. And I come down here sometimes anywhere from an hour to three hours during the day. Maybe not all in sports, sometimes 20 minutes till I feel better. And I've got my, I've got some incense and candles and, and just plants and just different things I have down here that make me feel calm. You know, and uh, um, like I said, mind, body, body, mind, and spirit. Um, for me, the spiritual part was really important to just believe that I was here for a reason. You know, I used to believe that the only reason I was put on earth was uh, to sexually gratify men and and to just know that, you know, just the fact that you survived child abuse, you don't even have to go on to help other people. Just the fact that you survived is enough. I want people to know that loud and clear. <laughs> you know, if you, if you choose to go on and uh, build tall buildings or, you know, um, um, do marine bi- biology, or I don't even know what it would be called, if that's even the term. But, you know, whatever you decide to do, if you live a good life, that is the best thing you could do, and that makes me happy. Anybody that's a survivor that lives a good life and do what they want to do and have choices like we never had before, to me, puts a big smile on my face. So it's not just people that, you know, help other survivors, which is great. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that's one path, you know, to go down. And uh, when uh, when I was feeling really lonely, I thought, I bet other people are feeling lonely too. I know, like what Carol was saying, but I don't like the word self-pity and all that, pity pot and crap like that. But um, I I just say that, you know, if I'm feeling lonely, maybe somebody else is feeling lonely. You know, now we can't even go on Facebook and, you know, just say, put a happy face or, hey, I'm with you or, you know, I've been there too or something. Or for me, it was going down to the AA club because I'm um, in AA and going down there and sitting by somebody that's sitting alone. Because, you know, I'm lonely, they're lonely, and you know what? We strike up a conversation. And you can tell they feel better because they start sitting up and, you know, and, and start talking before they were, like, looking down at the table. And, you know, it can make you feel good. And that's okay, you know. That's good. So that's what I have to say on that. And then we've got Annie or Lori. Thanks, Victoria. Let's ask Lori if she'd like to participate again. Lori? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, I, I always knew that things weren't going right. So I was always in some kind of form of getting all these layers of abuse off me to find out who I am underneath there. 
Um, I wasn't one to give up on it. I just kept going. But I'm basically a caretaker. Um, that's my job on this planet. And uh, I took care of a crazy family. And now I take care of uh, a mentally ill son um, while still doing my own little thing here. But I'm living, I have to live a life that's a little bit different than a normal person because of what can happen over here with my son. He already uh, attacked me. And I ended up about three times in his lifetime. So inside the doors that I have got locks on, deadbolts on to keep myself safe, I created a world that integrated this, this, you know, eye of of a spunky kid whose spirit couldn't be crushed totally. No people try to. And I created, I call it Lori's World. And in my life, um, I am 65 now. I pretty much know myself. My only interest in life are music and art. Um, I do, of course, my art, but I started late in life. But it's kept me uh, safe in this room mentally. It's how I take myself out of my situation with my son and my uh, husband here that isn't good. And what I do is I'm always thinking about like kids in hospitals or kids in foster care, all these kids that are in this world that have been abused, thrown away, whatever, we have such a long list of just like things I'll, you know, make for these kids. You know, it's just so, because I know where they were uh, and I've seen what they're going through. And since I can, you know, I've got a roof over my head, food on my table. I don't take vacations. I went one vacation and... Uh, 40 years, and uh, I was on a bike for four days, (laughs) and that was my vacation up until now. So two of these, the things that I loved in my life were taken away from me, and which was riding. I can no longer ride. I cannot get on a bike anymore because of my back, my bones, my balance. I can't get into my waterfalls. That was taken away from me. Um, so physically on the outside, the only thing I've got left is my world flowers outside this house, but I know inside my head, I've got a fountain of unknown projects still to come after this thing. So I'm not concerned about like neighbors or even getting to know anybody behind asking them over for coffee because I'm really not that kind of person. Um, and they also, you know, when people find out my medical problems and they get close to me, they get upset when things happen to me. And I hate watching the looks on their faces, like if I'm choking or something. person across the way from me doesn't know what to do. And to have people like this all around me, and, you know, and they're like, so I can't do that to people. So I, I pretty much stay to myself here. And I'm happy doing what I'm doing, um, there's a part of me that knows how to survive. So coming from where I did and the way I live now and the way that I'm going to, you know, in my years, I don't mind living on a mountain in the conditions I've got going here. So I say this is the best time that I've ever taken care of myself these days. Thank you, Lori. And back to you, Amyanna. Yes, those responses were great. Um, I just 
I'm so amazed about how how much one can go through and live through and still have a positive outlook on life and still want to help others or just live their best life. I'm always in awe of that and just it's just beautiful. And um yeah, it brings up um like there's all kinds of books and tips and stuff. For me it's I love to paint my nails. If I have a new coat of paint on my nails, that makes me feel good. It's something kind of, you know, I get the dollar store paint or color street or whatever when I splurge. And I um, I just love a new paint new paint on my nails. And it's something I, I, I catch, you know, it's something I can see every time. And it gives that little bit of, you know, I... It's that um, little bit of happiness that I can find in my life. And things. Um, so what else can we talk about? How about trust? How do we trust ourselves? Sure. I, you know, like when a memory comes up, do we, are we feeling, I know probably for us, we were pretty advanced in our healing, but for other listeners, maybe we can think back to when these memories were coming up, and it was something I really struggled with, is trusting myself and the memories that were coming up, and getting rid of that denial that, yes, this happened, it does happen to other people. And then when it's applied to me, it's why it can't be true because it happened to me. And then somebody said, well, of course, it, of course, who, who wants it to be true when it, when it happens to you? If it's like in Canada or another country, it's, it's easier to take on. Yes, it exists, but it's not in our backyard. And, and things I have a pretty hard story and and things and it went to um it just went to that denial and when the memories come up it would be like I want this memory I, I work on it and I'd work on it to try to bring it up and then when it's almost there and I felt like my mind's like okay I'll give you this memory and then it's like no I either push it away or I deny its reality, and kind of goes into, you know, this is me. This is my story. Why, why aren't I trusting it? And things. And it took me a long time to get over that and see. And sometimes it still hits me like a ton of bricks. Certain things that come up, and it's that acceptance of our stories. Mm-hmm. And of what happened and things. I was using denial as a crutch, um, too, as 
a way to get through my day. If I can just say I made it up, it's in my head, I'm crazy, I could put it in the back of my mind and not face it and get on with my day other than thinking, okay, this is real, this is something I have to deal with, it's right, you know, it's front and center. But things happen in my life, well, um, that band-aid of denial got ripped off in a really harsh way, and it it made me deal with it. And so now, it, um, and then I had to deal with it, and then I spent a lot of time you know, in that denial that I could have been working on trusting myself and and um, and not dealing with that denial of the memories mm-hmm. and stuff. And that kind of maybe um, prolonged my healing a lot longer than what it should have if I just was able to deal with a little bit of denial and then work through that and then be able to accept the memories that probably would have went faster. But we are different, and, you know, it unfolded for me that way. So maybe if we can comment something about about trust and denial and those memories and acceptance. One, one of my big things was with, uh, with trust was um, trusting that maybe it was more hope, hoping that I could change the way I reacted to things, you know. Because I didn't, I didn't trust myself, you know, and and I looked at stuff, and I was in a program that called things character defects, you know, and to me that was such a negative term, and finally I crossed out every one of the sayings that said that in this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I wrote down coping mechanisms, because that's what they were, they were coping mechanisms, like you said, denial, denial was a coping mechanism, is how we got through. You know, to to blame ourselves for something that, you know, I thank my coping mechanisms for being there or I wouldn't be where I am. I do want to say that the only thing normal is a setting on the washing machine. Um, there is there is no normal. What's, what's normal for one is not normal for another. Um, we have to just, um, I think for me, it's just finding a place where I feel comfortable and happy. And, you know, happiness, people go, I wish I was a happy person. Well, think of one thing you could do to be happy. And then think of another thing you could do to be happy, you know, instead of just thinking that one day you're just going to be a happy person and why am I not, you know. If if you've been down for a long time, it's going to take a while to change those patterns and find things that you enjoy doing, especially when you're not used to it. You know, so for me, it was um, trusting myself and uh, uh, trusting the fact that, you know, Boy, I really liked swinging when I was a little kid. Okay, now I got to get past my, oh, my God, what are people going to say if I'm out there swinging at the park? And then all of a sudden I just went, I don't care. I had a sponsor in AA that told me, other people's opinions of you are none of your business. And I really like that. (laughs) I really like that, you know. And so a lot of people give me weird looks, but you know what? I don't care because it's my life. It's my life, and it's what made me happy with go swinging that day. And it didn't cost a lot of money for me to take my kids out to the park, go to the zoo, go to the library, you know, whatever. Um, so there's a lot of things you could do that isn't going to cost a lot of money. You know, you don't need to go take a, you know, a, um, ocean cruise or, you know, go to Hawaii for a week or whatever. 
Do small things for yourself. Do just some small things. Boy, I'd really like to go out to the woods and maybe just sit out there. I think Carol was saying just to, you know, just to breathe, you know, and, uh, whatever, you know, just think of some things you might, and sometimes you're going to go out and do them and you're going to go, oh, God, I hated doing that. Like when I went skiing, oh, I did not like that at all. And I'll probably never do it again, you know. But, you know, I went out to um, this place out um, in Minneapolis and went on a, like a cruise with my kids, just a little teeny one on the Mississippi River. And then we came back and my son says, let's rent scooters. And I'm like, scooters? <laughs> I'm not getting on no scooter. Come on, Mom, I'll drive. So I got on the back and held on to him. And it was a blast. And, and then he got me one, and I was putt-putting around. And then I was, like, turning the corner. I just stop and then get on the thing again after I turned the corner with it. And then I was going down the thing, and two people were coming. And they go, out of the way, Grandma's driving. <laughs> you know, and I had a blast. But. You know, I was real reluctant to, to try to do that scooter myself. And and so it's good to have people with you sometimes to encourage you, you know. Mm-hmm. But it takes, you know, sometimes, like I said, it takes, you know, I feel like I'm kind of going in a rut, going in a rut, going in a rut in the day, and I go, you know what, I went down to my meditation area and just, sat there for an hour and listen to the birds sing or go feed the squirrels or do some planting in my yard or something, you know, and just take a break. And I don't like looking at the clock. I've got alarms set when I need to take my meds and eat. And if I have a Zoom meeting, which we have three, (laughs) let me get an ad in here. We have three support groups for Zoom meetings um, on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. And you can see the times on the the, um, code to get on the Zoom meetings on uh, the NASCA website, which is naasca.org. And uh, we also got um, a conference coming up, which is called the Script Conference. And it's in Los Angeles, California. It's uh, July 20th to the 21st. And uh, we'd uh, like to um, get more information out on that. And uh, you can look up the, um, it's called The, with the the in there, script, S-C-R-I-P-T, and then conference. Um, and if you put that in Google, you can find the script conference. And um, NASCA, um, NASCA is a part of putting that on. And uh, I went last year, and it was wonderful. And uh, if you guys want to know any more information, you can call Bill. I'm the Minnesota ambassador for NASCA, Victoria Kelly. Call me. Carol knows about it. There's other people that are on the board. Find all our numbers on the NASCO website as well. And uh, we'd just like to let you know, too, that we have these shows five nights a week, and we really appreciate people coming on the panel, as we call it, and that's call and listeners. And, uh, of course, we appreciate our special guest speakers, Amy Anna, tonight, and we also um, are looking for um, adult survivors of child abuse who would like to tell their stories. We also have a Facebook group for survivors, which is a closed group, and an open group um, for people that are interested in our issues. And, of course, survivors go on there to impose. So there's just a lot of, and there's like 40 programs on the NASCO website. And there's some really great ones for parents. I refer parents to go on there. I mean, there's just so much information. I can't believe it. Bill, does. Bill I know you're listening. You did a fantastic job. I asked Bill, how do you know, how do you know to put all that stuff on there? You got so much stuff on there. 
And he says, well, most of it was everything I wanted to do, and I tried to get help. <laughs> but that's, I think, what we try to do, you know. Um, we either give people what we got or give, pe- give people what we wish we would have had, you know. And, and uh, that's why I like being on the White Pack radio shows is to get the information out there. So uh, I'm going to be quiet. And uh, Carol, are you still on? Would you like to? Yeah, I'm sitting here listening. I want to mention, too, because I used that today, um, the programs. When you look at the front page of the uh, website, okay, I received a phone call from California. Of course, I'm in New Jersey, so the lady needed help. That's something to keep in mind, too. If there are people, you know, who want to be a part of a program, and with her, she's from California, so that's a good thing. So I got her onto the program list, and I explained how to do it. It's very simple to do. You just go onto the first link there of programs, click it on, and you click that program on you. It has states, all the United States. You'll find it. You see the spin, world spinning around. You know you're in the right place. And below that, you find the United States. She's from California, and what I did was I got her directly to – see, people don't realize these programs exist, Victoria, Okay. So I got her exactly onto a program, and she was delighted. And mm-hmm. um, and the one thing too about what's good about that is is the fact that if you really don't like that program, there are mm-hmm. others that are nearby. Okay, because yeah. these programs are all over the place, and then there are a few that have closed down. Okay, and I always tell people to get back to me so I can take you know tell Bill to take it off of the list. Okay, instead right. of having it on the list, I think. So um, that's something good, too, because a lot of people are very meek. They need to meet people. They get in with people. They can make friends. And then also it's very therapeutic, too, because they do have counselors. Um, they do have therapists. They do have um, other people they can, you know, refer you to if you need that type of help. So that that's a very good thing. I've used it many times. Yeah. We also have uh, um, things that are like yearly too, like uh, like the conference and then different events that are going on, like Carol said, all around the world. You know, you just click on your local area and there's, there's so many resources that um, have been combined and people, you know, are letting us know more every day. So if you, anybody knows anything, also, like Carol said, contact one of us and uh, we'll make sure that uh, we get the information on there because... We need to network together, I think. We need to, you know, we really need to do this together instead of a lot of the competition that's out there. Um, We need each other, and our common purpose is, you know, to help adult survivors, but, you know, not stop child abuse because that's like an unrealistic goal, but, you know, to, um, you know, to be there for children that are abused and to try to do some prevention, intervention, you know, that's that's in our mission statement. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do what we can to work together um, because, you know, the one thing we have in common is we're survivors. And I always say let's look at our commonalities rather than our differences. And the bottom line is as survivors, we all have similar feelings. And I like connecting, like I call it heart to heart. And I think we're doing a really good job at that tonight. So I'm going to um, – Lori, are you still on? Would you like to say anything or Annie? I'm still on. Yeah, I think it's really interesting the way it's going. I'm glad I'm on here. Um, trust, I think, was the basic question about everything. Right. Um, 
<laughs> Everybody could probably tell by this point I have no reason to trust many people, though I do trust like one or two. That was a big issue because every time uh, I thought I was doing the right thing with the right person, it told me backfired. And as I was going through all that, I found out that I'm my own best friend. You know, I could go through therapy uh, with other people, do it on the outside, which I did when I was younger. Uh, I went through the stage of where I was really becoming uh, so sure that the rest of that stuff I took years to get off me uh, from the abuse that I was working towards a goal I trusted that that person that I first felt when I was at my youngest years was still in my body and would still be in my body as I aged. So that's what I trust. And it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think a good thing, too, is to be able to come on um, to these radio shows because a lot of times I get off the radio show and I'll think during the week, you know, Boy, I remember what somebody said, you know, and it kind of makes me think a little bit more about my healing process, too, you know. Um, So I always try to keep a real open mind when I go to any kind of meetings or anything like this or support groups or whatever um, to try to keep an open mind about things and try to learn something, you know, because like I said in the beginning, I want to continue to grow. You know, that is one of my definite goals, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And today I went to, I'm going to make an announcement. I'm going to really try to stick to it. Okay, I went to the doctor today, and I told her that I want to quit smoking. And she put me, she's given me gum and inhalers, these little puffy things that have little tubes with nicotine, or just like a puff here and there when you have a real hard craving. And uh, my goal is to get off cigarettes, and I've been a heavy smoker since I was 13 years old. My grandma caught me smoking. Wow. My grandma raised me. My grandma caught me smoking. She says, well, we'd rather have you smoke in front of us than behind our back and started buying me cartons of cigarettes. So <laughs> I quit once for two and a half years, and then I thought, you know, just like the drinking, <laughs> oh, one's not going to hurt. <laughs> and then right back on it. But, you know, I spend $10 a day on cigarettes. That's $300 a month. So in one wow. year, I get a heck of a nice vacation. <laughs> so, you know, you guys, if you pray or pray or send positive energy or whatever you do, I'd really appreciate it because um, I've been telling my uh, grandchild, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke, but yet you see me lighten up a cigarette, you know. <laughs> and, you know, that whole, um, I don't even, I can't think of the word, but you guys know what I mean. Um you know, saying one thing and doing another, um, <laughs> mixed messages and stuff, you know. And so I really, hypocrite. really You're committed to doing that. That's the word. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And so that's what I don't want to be. <laughs> My grandma's a hypocrite, you know. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, let me then say I want something to about Victoria. Let me say something about that. Sure. I started smoking, too, when I was 13. And mm-hmm. um, by the time I was 16, I was a two-pack-a-day smoker. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, I know. I got, and, and let me I tell you something. Did yeah. you really? Yeah. Oh, God. 
All right. So um, I work, you know, shift work a lot of times in, in hospitals and all of this stuff. So, and they they smoked in those days too. Okay, that's how long you know in, in one hospital for so many years with all these different jobs. But anyway, um, the only way that I could do it because I would put out ten cigarettes a day, and I feel if I put out ten cigarettes a day that I can smoke, well, yeah. it's definitely after meals, right? And other things, mm-hmm. I won't go into it. <laughs> all right, well, ten yeah. cigarettes a day, and um, but I couldn't stick to it. There was no way that I could get myself to stick to it. So I finally went cold turkey. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, I I only had two. I said a prayer first because I do believe in prayer. And and then I um, cold turkey, and I had two days that were a little uncomfortable, you bet. But then I, that's it. I haven't had a cigarette since 1996. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So you can yeah. do it, okay? Right. But to me, that's the only way I could do it was to go cold turkey. No inhalers, no no the gum. My my son's you know chews the gum constantly. He's been chewing it for ten years. Are you nuts? I don't yeah. think that's even good for you. No, it's not. And now you know, and then I talk, yeah. So I went to the I went to the kidney doctor right after that. Like an hour later, I had a, I had a appointment with the kidney doctor. Of course, one of the things to, you know, help that you don't continue to get worse with your kidneys because I got stage three kidney failure, so that you don't get worse with your kidneys is quit smoking, eat healthy, exercise, and it's like, okay, how many years have I hurt this, you know? And I'm exercising because I'm out going up and down my steps and doing my housework, and then you know, I call it house loving because I don't like housework, and taking care of the yard. And, and going out and doing things, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't able to do all that before when I was in that living. I just felt trapped, you know, mm-hmm. in my mind and in my body. And I wasn't getting proper nutrition. And yeah. so where I'm at now, I can cook my own meals. And, you know, I mean, it really does make a difference when, you, when you're eating correctly, you're getting, you know, outside and, you know, things like that. And, uh you know, having my spirituality, which is being alone with myself. And I, I pray, which is asking for help from my higher power. And then uh, uh, meditation is just listening for the answer, being quiet enough. And I believe all the answers are with ourselves, within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how Amyana started it, was, you know, guiding people to understand that they have the power within themselves. But we just have to figure out what is it we want to do and not try to do everything all at once. Because that's what I do a lot of times and totally overwhelm myself. You know, this is good for me. That's good for me. That's good for me. And pretty soon I've got an agenda that nobody could live up to from, like I said, from one day to the next. I just want this instant, instant cheer, (laughs) you know. And and like we said, you know, how did you go from one point to the other? We got to look back and say, hey, I never thought I was going to do that, you know, but I did. I never thought I was going to do that. But I did. I never knew I was going to survive it, but I did. You know, I never knew I was going to finish high school, but I did. Mm -hmm. Or whatever it is that you accomplished, realize that that, you know, there's a saying, and I don't know who said it, but they said, um, everything's impossible until you do it. And that, I wrote that down and I look at that every day. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, Victoria, let me say something about you, okay? Because you're very smart too, Okay. 
And, and because of all the things that happen in your life, a lot of times we don't realize how smart we are until we start doing things for ourselves and completing mm-hmm. them, okay? So you just r- rattled off a whole bunch of things that you didn't think you could do this, you could do you know, all these things that you said, and then you find out that you can do it. It's a matter of getting yourself to do it, okay? And then you realize that you can accomplish a lot of things that you were always told when you were a kid you were stupid. You can't, you're yeah. never going to amount to anything. All those that right. negative self-talk gets into our brain, and then we believe yeah. that. And and then once we start, you know, moving forward, whatever it is to take, with me it was helping other people. That's strengthening, mm-hmm. okay? Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. well, absolutely, that may not work for everybody. But for me, that's what you know helped me. So mm-hmm. with all the things that we had of negative self-talk, then we learned to have positive self-talk because we're yeah. doing things. We've done things, and now we see you're able to. So yeah. then you learn to trust yourself. Then you start saying, well, sure, I, I did this, I did that. I thought I couldn't do that, mm-hmm. but I did it. And and mm-hmm. then you start feeling better yourself, you know, about yourself. Yeah. And then you start trusting. You start developing the uh, the ability to trust yeah. yourself. I don't trust other people. That's who I don't trust. In the same thought, um, you can pump yourself up that way by thinking about the things that you did do that you never thought you could. Or mm-hmm. you could drag yourself down a rabbit hole, like I always say, with, oh, my God, I did that wrong. And then you start reminiscing about all the things you did wrong in your life. And mm-hmm. I call that running myself down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times I have to call people to get out of that rabbit hole to say, you know, I just feel like I'm just like a failure, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I'll call Amy Ann up, you know. <laughs> and she mm-hmm. reminds me of some stuff I've done, you know, my friends or, you know, whatever. And, you know, if people are feeling that way, you know, give us a call and, but, or just sit down with a piece of paper and write down some stuff that you have done that you never thought you could do. I went back to school because my boyfriend at the time told me, you are smart, which of course, like you said, nobody ever told me that. And go back and take classes that you want to take. Just look at the book. Well, I never looked at the book. I just, whatever, you know. And so anyway, I looked at the book and I went back and I, so the counselor, no, I'm not dropping out of school. My grandparents were ready to sign me out. No problem. Who cares? They didn't value education anyway. My grandfather always said the only way that you're going to, you know, get up in the business world is to sleep your way up. So I figured if I didn't take it up in the business world, people just think bad about me. So I, that was a great idea, you know. But he believed in me and told me I was smart, and I valued this guy, guy's opinion. Well, you and are so I went smart. Back and told the, yeah, you. I went back and told the Whoa, told the counselor, down. I want, I want these classes. He, says, he goes, you can't take these classes. They're college prep classes, and, and you're not going to college. <laughs> I said, well, I'm feeling okay. the easy ones. I'll fail the hard ones. I got all A's and 1B the last two years of my school because somebody go. believed in me. Mm-hmm. And I want to point that out. There yep. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I believe that you're smart. Okay. Well, I appreciate if, if that. You, if you were dumb, I wouldn't say anything, all right? <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but, but I believe it. If you had nice of me, I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> but I, I, I think that, you know, you, you, you know that um, given a little more time even, 
and, and taking breaths, doing more self-work, you know, and, and self-talk, that you're going to be mm-hmm. okay. You're going yeah. to be okay. I believe that. Oh, I feel better. I feel better physically, spiritually, emotionally, and I have my, my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a house now. Um, you know, and I told my son that, and he goes, is it because you got a house now? I says, well, Rick, that's not really it. I said, what's really it is I have stability. I said, I've mm-hmm. never had stability my whole entire life. I never felt like I had a home, a place that I wasn't going to lose if mm-hmm. I got mentally or physically had issues because that's when I've always ended up being homeless. If I'd have got kicked out of the last place like I tried, it have been my 20th time homeless. So mm-hmm. stability. Just not having that ended me up in a lot of bad situations. Well, let's bring Amy Anna back because she's she's yeah. our guest here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I was just listening to you guys talk and taking it all in, and just want to say it is a process, and it is it's not an easy process, but it is possible. And if we could get that across to everybody that healing is possible and you can do it. And whatever you're going through right now, there is there is hope for a better day, for a better future. Just one more minute, one more time, one more hour, one more day. And sometimes you just got to bring it down to the very basics to to um to make it but like i said i had to bring it down to five minutes at a time at one time and and things because tomorrow and the afternoon if it was in the morning it was too abstract and big for me and bringing it down to something manageable and things made it doable made it i can I can make a decision and hold it for five minutes. I know I can be mm-hmm. safe for five minutes. Nobody's hurting me right now. You know, and this, okay, let's see if it lasts two minutes. Let's see if it lasts three minutes. And mm-hmm. that's how, and then you look back and say, okay, for the last five minutes, nothing bad happened. Okay. It's mm-hmm. so much, um, and it starts off sometimes very small to get up to where we are and we and we don't give ourselves enough credit for doing the little stuff like that and for taking those little steps and just making the decision to not smoke. That's big, Victoria. That's big. Just in that decision alone of coming to that, okay, I don't want to live this type of life anymore. I don't want to have that cigarette in my mouth anymore. That is a huge decision and you have all my good energy and prayers that you. you can do this and you have my support you know how to get a hold of me yeah. and i'm sure there's others you yeah. can lean on too that you can I asked do this one friend. you don't have to do this I asked alone friend anymore. She, yeah i asked my one friend how she quit and she says well i just realized how much money i was spending to kill myself <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> and the other one said, I quit because I wanted to breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes it's just getting down there to simple, you know, simple facts, you know. Yes, bring because, it down to you know, simplicity. Yeah. 
sometimes yeah. better than... Yeah, we can overcomplicate. Okay. We do, and I'm very guilty of overcomplicating so many things. And it's it's um, sometimes it's a lot simpler than what we think it is. Mm-hmm. We just... I think it's because of the past, because it gets so overwhelming, anything new, anything different. It's, and because we have um, our bad experiences in the past, when something was new, overwhelming, and different, it usually was bad. And yeah. our mind goes to that. It's like, no, this is new, overwhelming, and different. Something bad's really bad going to happen if I change, if I make this step. And it's... Um, it's just changing that perspective of looking at, no, nothing bad's going to happen now. We're, you know, it's over. And to really trust ourselves and take that minute, take that five minutes and say, see, nothing bad happened right now. Mm-hmm. And I made this decision. I crossed, I went through that door. I went past that threshold, you know, crossed the line. And, you know, set my foot down and nothing bad yeah. happened. What's going to happen if right. I take a next step and then another? And then you look back and you see how far you've come. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon you're going to be like, I smoked. You know, when was this? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I got 36 years and sober and I never thought that I could ever get that, you know, ever, even get a week, you know. Right. And, and But it was, you know... It was dedication, and I thought, at the time, I thought if I put half the amount of time into um, getting sober as I've been putting in, into drinking and thinking about it and going to get it and doing it and being remorseful, put half that much time into getting sober, you know, just half that much, and I did, and I got sober, you know, and I listened to this one meditation. It says, doubt, fear, and worry are the biggest time wasters on the planet without fear and worry they're wasting our time and we yes. just think of all we can do and you know by thinking about you know too many too many factors um in something a decision you're going to make um i talked to my son and he says mom you want to get motivated to do something get up and do it motivation will follow and I thought, boy, that is smart. <laughs> and he's a very successful businessman, you know. And I thought, that's how he does it. <laughs> you know, and learning from people that, that are, you know, doing things and, and accomplishing things. So we can learn from each other in that in that perspective. And I think that's what's good about these shows is the exchange of information and the support from one another is always appreciated. I like your son. Okay. Uh-huh. I think he's very yeah. smart, too. And he's good for you. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm oh, saying? Thank you. He is. He's good because um, you've spoken about him several times throughout the show, and uh, mm-hmm. it's all been very positive, and it's all helped to motivate you. And uh-huh. he seems to be able to know how to get you, you know, like um, in a better place. I don't want to put it that oh, way. Yeah. In a better yeah. place. Yeah. He always has. You know, yeah. matter of fact, when yeah. I was really depressed when he was little, he'd come out and start talking like Donald Duck, or he'd put Elvis <laughs> on and pick back his hair and start singing Jailhouse Rock. You know, I mean, he always, 
my daughter's great too because, um, you know, um, she wasn't really in my life a lot, but I made a mentor. to her. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote a five-page letter and had three people read it to make sure I wasn't saying, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm sorry, but I was abused. I'm sorry, but I was in the mental hospital, you know, just, just, you know, I'm really sorry that you went through what you went through, you know, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. uh, um, and I want a better relationship. That's basically what the letter was, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, we have a better relationship after, after I gave her the letter, she never wanted to talk about it. She's always like, mother, mother, that was in the past. Don't bring it up. Quit bringing it up. You're too emotional. So I just wrote it down, you know, mm-hmm. and had some people read it over and, you know, I didn't even change anything cause they thought it was great. It was from my heart, you know? But I thought about it a long time. I thought about talking to her about it, but there was so much I couldn't, you know, get her to sit down long enough. But anyway, you know, I did that, and our relationship has gotten so much better. And she found out that I injured my toe, and she's been calling and asking how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she was never doing that before. And then, you know, when I was suicidal over there at the, the assisted living, and I wrote on Facebook that I was mm-hmm. giving away all my stuff, She's a dual dependency counselor and then was the director of all these huge programs out here in Minnesota. And so, you know, uh, red flag, she goes, Mom, what's going on? Are you doing okay? So what do I do? I go on Facebook and delete it. Like, everything's fine, right? (laughs) (laughs) And my my kids started calling me for three days, and I wouldn't answer the phone. And I'm surprised they didn't do a welfare check. But anyway, my son calls me up and says, Mom, I think I'm uh, going to invest in some property in Minnesota. You think you can live with dad? And it took me a few minutes and I go, yeah, I guess I can live with dad. <laughs> like we're friends, mm-hmm. you know, my mm-hmm. former husband, we're good friends, good, good friends. And, uh, you know, we, people don't understand that we can live together and mutual respect and this and that. And, um, but that we're not like in love and going to get married. You know, it's like, they just think you either hate your ex or you're going to get married. And, they don't get the in-between, like at the AA club, people know we're back, you know, and living in the same house. So I don't know what else to say except my son can't afford two houses. I told Vinny, well, that might sound cold, but I just don't know how to get these people to understand that you could be friends with somebody that, you know, you were in a relationship. Yeah, that's unusual. That That is, although you're hearing more of it today because sometimes well, you can't let, like they can't afford, like say, you know, he can't afford to be on his own. Say, yeah. I'm just saying now that you can't afford to be yeah. on your own. And then people yeah. stay in the same house, even though maybe at one time they were married or they're still yeah. married, but they can't stand each other that way in the marriage, no. in the marriage way, in the marriage we way. Other, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, we didn't we didn't break up like some horrible fight or anything. We just kind of went our own ways. It was a mutual mm-hmm. thing. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a violent nothing or Good. a big argument or you know nothing like that. It was nothing like that. It was mm-hmm. just we both grew apart, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we just had different interests and we just kind of went on our own merry way. But we remained friends. We always that's have, good, you know. That's, and that's Plus good for the, the program. kids. It's and we're in the, the program kids. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's their he's their stepfather, but like I said, he's not their stepfather. He's the father that stepped up. Right. And I he's the only they their fathers at one point um were involved in their lives. My daughter um didn't see her dad before her first year of life. I I left him and she never saw him from then on. And my son's father, I think it he was 9 when he stopped seeing his dad. 
And mm-hmm. Vinny's been there since the kids were seven and four. You know, so like I said, he's the dad that stepped up. Mm-hmm. And they called he's, his dad the minute we got married. Yeah. See <laughs> that? They'll fight you to the death to say he's their dad. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's good if a stepfather can be like a, a dad because mm-hmm. see, my kids never yeah. felt like they had a father because yeah. the stepfather yeah. wasn't like that either. All right. He wasn't, yeah. he was, uh, yeah. Other things <laughs> I couldn't choose yeah. right. Yeah. All right, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show, and uh, yes, I just want to thank our guest Amy and I, and I want to thank all of our panel and uh, uh, co-host uh, Annie and Lori for coming on, and Carol Court, mm-hmm. and uh, at the end of our um, at the end of our support groups, we say say uh, the serenity prayer which I think a lot of people know but um, then we also um, let's see if we can find it we say another one and this is the Nazca serenity prayer I'd like to read it at the end of our show please grant me me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly the courage to forgive myself because I always try my best and the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind heart and as Bill says, God bless um, the children of the world, and God bless adult survivors of child abuse. Okay. And hope All to see right. you again soon. Mm-hmm. That was a good show. That was a good Wonderful show. Wonderful show. Yeah, it was good. Yep. Yeah.